0: i'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience hi everyone and welcome to another episode of all things marketing and education this week i am very excited i'm sitting down with tony juan the head of platform for reach capital and if you don't know what that means he's going to tell you what he does so don't worry and I, i'm i'm assuming last time I talked to him, he did a little bit of everything. So I'm excited to dive into what he does for one of the venture capitalists, um, reach capital that specializes in education and other mission-driven areas. Today, we will be talking about all things ed tech all things ed tech but we're going to also talk a little bit about ai and the infamous chat gpt that everyone cannot stop talking about and are really curious about exploring in education and who knows where our conversation is going to go but i'm just really excited to have his expertise and be able to pick his brain and and hang out this will be really fun so before we get into these topics let me give you a brief background about tony so like I said Tony is the head of platform for Reach Capital. Um he's going to talk a little bit about that. But before Reach, he was a co-founder, reporter, and managing editor at EdSurge. And I know you all know that wonderful publication, EdSurge. Um, at my role at Edutopia, I felt like we were in parallel past a lot. So we were both mm-hmm. kind of in this media world. And that's where I got to know Tony. And I think, Tony, we've been in the same circle for, gosh, almost a decade now.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're the OGs.
0: <laughs> I was looking at our tweets, and I'm like... Oh, this makes us look old. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you and me going, hey, nice seeing you at this meetup. That was so fun. <laughs> and a whole bunch of listing a whole bunch of people that don't even have Twitter accounts anymore. Oh, man,
1: I missed meetups back when they were a thing.
0: I know, I know. And I like. I would say for people that don't know Tony, you love this space you love this industry when you when I come to you you always have a smile on your face you're connecting people you want to learn as much as possible and I learned so much from you so those of you that don't follow Tony on Twitter will tell you at the end um, his handles and how to keep in touch with him but he also blogs and I've recently learned a lot from you too I'm like no this is the fact no <laughs> so I am just so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Tony, to All Things Marketing and Education.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Ilana. It is a pleasure. It's a pleasure to This is a great way to kick off the day.
0: Yes, and it's an excuse for us just to hang out, too. I'm yes. like, let's get some time. So why don't we tell the audience a little bit more about you I actually don't know beyond EdSurge, like, it, you said a little bit about gaming, but I'd love for you to tell a little bit about your story of how you got into this crazy world of EdTech and what keeps you going and what do you do at Reach Capital.
1: Yeah, I feel like for many of us, it's a securitist route to where we are today. I think nowadays EdTech is more of like a, maybe there's more of like a planned path you can take to EdTech now. But I think for, you know, I think for other folks, you know, the, the route was circuitous, Um Mine. It started with Zelda, um, Zelda, the, you know, the the game with Link yeah. and Hyrule. Um, <laughs> this was a math game. Uh, we built this math game that was modeled off of uh, Zelda, um, which began as a side project with friends. Uh, one of them was in a was in a graduate program at Stanford, and this was his capstone project. And I volunteered to help him out with it. So think about like a two D math game ripped off of the Super Nintendo linked to the past Zelda days that we just layered on some ar- arithmetic um, practice on. And that was essentially the, the premise of the game. One of the advisors um, for my for you know for my friends for this project was John Danner. He was, at the time, uh, CEO of Rocket Ship, which is a, a series of charter schools at the time. Uh, and he helped us set up a pilot. And they were using this game uh, for a little bit. So that was, you know, this game was really kind of our introduction, our foot in the door into the world of EdTech. And as part of learning about this industry more, because, you know, we were kind of very new to it, we were doing some web research. And that led me to finding out about meetups uh, and events where I learned about EdSurge for the first time. It was just a newsletter. Um, and one day I, I, I subscribed, and one day there was an opening for a part time assistant editor position. Um, so I applied and got the job as the first hire and that was, you Wait, know, you that kind the of
0: first hire, the first hire of Edsearch.
1: Oh, it's the first hire at at Edsearch.
0: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> Maybe even the first person to get paid. I have to fact check that, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, um, wow. it was for, you know, co-founders part-time at the time. And then they brought me on to help uh, put together the newsletter, um, and then from then on, over the next year, that newsletter it became a newsroom. Uh, we had a team of journalists. Um, I continued to cover the business side of the ed tech industry, um, and so you know I really feel like that was you know I think you know some of you may have read uh, my bylines, but you know that whole experience kind of felt like a master's program in you know both journalism and kind of like a little ed tech MBA, right? All, all all kind of packaged into one. So. Um, You know, I did that for about 10 years. Um, And then EdSearch was acquired by ISTE, which is, I think, a a group that I think many of your audience knows well. Um, And then I decided I wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, kind of the investment side of things. You know, this was a a world and people that I covered a lot of. And so I decided to join Reach Capital in uh, April of 2021.
0: Yeah. And tell me, like, what... I know your role has been changing, but what do you do primarily within Reach Capital? Because some of our audience is on the ed tech side and is familiar with Reach Capital. Some of them are just educators and going, Reach who? What? What, what do you all do?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Reach Capital is a uh, venture capital firm, and we focused uh, specifically on the education uh, education technology sector. So, uh, we invest typically in the early stages of companies. So just as companies and startups are just getting off the ground, uh, we call it the seed stage. Um, that's where you know, we uh, focus kind of our attention and, and capital on. Um, we invest across the board. We have a pretty broad scope of uh, how we define education. It's everything from uh, early childhood ed- education across K-12 to higher ed to some adult and workforce development. Um, and we've invested in about a hundred or so, uh, startups so, so far to date since around 2015.
0: Yeah. Know,
1: my um, is my role,
0: impressive.
1: Yeah, my role now is, uh, my title is head of platform. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a Swiss army knife role. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I tend to gravitate towards Swiss army knife kind of roles, but, um, a lot of my time is spent on providing support for our portfolio companies with you know whatever um, they may need. Uh, so, whether it's um, you know helping out with their, some of their marketing or some of their press outreach to some thought leadership and community building. Um, and I also just continue to write uh, about what we're learning in the course of our work as we look into this space, uh, different spaces. So. Um, Yeah, that's kind of what my role is. I mean, funny enough, back when I was working on a math game, uh, we had actually gone and pitched a couple of the Rich Capital Partners who, at the time, were part of New School's Venture Fund. So, in a way, I've kind of come full circle after a decade.
0: Yeah. And I will say that what you're not saying is your role at EdSurge, you were a journalist, you were doing all of the things around there, but you were also helping build community. And that's yeah. why you went to all of those those meetups and you were a connector. And I still see that at Reach. You know, you're about to go do an AMA and just to try to build community within your portfolio of companies and friends. And I love that. And I mm-hmm. love community builders. So why don't we get into what everyone wants to talk about? Um, let's, t- let's start about AI and chat GPT, and then we can get into where EdTech is mm-hmm. in, in this world. Um, but... You cannot get off your phone, off your radio, offer anything without anyone talking about chat GPT. And the reactions range from, oh my god, I'm going to block it, to let's really explore it and let's do all of the things, to I'm just scared and I'm just going to mm-hmm. act like it doesn't exist. It's, it's everywhere. So can you tell people what it is? And I'd love to just talk a little bit broadly about AI in education, too, because this is not a new thing. It's definitely new technology, but it's not AI is not new.
1: Yeah, no, AI is not new. And I, I think ChatGPT is kind of, um, you know, it's in headlines everywhere. It's just said you can't avoid it. I can't open my Twitter or social feed without seeing a screenshot of somebody doing something with ChatGPT um, and commenting on it, but I think I mean, I'd like to just kind of take a a step back. As you mentioned, like AI in education isn't new. We've had technologies around like image recognition or natural language processing or voice recognition um, that have been used uh, in uh, ed tech tools in the past. And uh, at Reach, we have invested uh, in some of these companies that um, provide things like chatbot for student support or image recognition for grading handwritten assignments. Mm So AI in education, it's not. That's necessarily a new thing but it might have been happening more on like in the background you know you may not have realized it was kind of happening but you know it, it was being used to help um you know make certain processes more efficient uh particularly you know around grading on a mass scale but you know with chat i think um you know OpenAI, which is a developer of it has really brought ai to the front with this you know chatbot this chatbot that's uh, that has output that can rival, I think, it can rival human output in terms of uh, creativity. Um, maybe a little bit less so uh, on the accuracy side. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is something that I, I mean, I, I imagine many of your many of your listeners are familiar in, with it enough of what it is capable of. I think what's kind of exciting and different this time is that. Um, you know, usually there's a lag period between the emergence of new ed tech and kind of its adoption in classrooms and education. But I think what's remarkable with Chat GPT and GPT three is just how quickly people across the edge, you know, education and technology community have kind of taken up on it. Um, I think for me, it was uh, students who were leading the charge. I first learned about it from students who, uh, you know, we're talking on Discord about like, "Hey, this new this new cool tool that I can use to basically do all my homework." Um, and it was like, oh, you know, this is this this is kind of spicy." I can see there's a there's a there's a devious side of me that says like, if I were a student, I would you know, I would probably do this do the same thing as well. Um, and so I think like. What i'm seeing i mean honestly it kind of feels like schools and districts are responding to this with more urgency than maybe some of the other problems on their plate i mean within five weeks of chat being launched you know a lot of districts have moved to ban it and it's like you know like where else do you see you know big districts moving this fast <laughs> on on something that's new so um i think that's
0: a lot of those same districts also banned cell phones they also banned social media they also banned a lot of things that they had to like Unban, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. which may not be bad. I mean, I'm not a banner for anything. I feel like embrace it because the more you ban stuff, the more people are going to do it undercover even more because now it's bad, quote unquote.
1: Yeah. that's the quickest way to get you know, eyeballs onto something <laughs> is to ban something. Um, you know, I think this knee jerk reaction to ban it was, I mean, I would, I think it was predictable. Um, I mean, yeah, it was something that I, that I, I, I felt like I could, it was not surprising. Um, but I think now, I think as with the case with Google or YouTube or Wikipedia, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping um, that, you know, it's going to push how we, you know, it's going to push us towards new ways of thinking around how we um, think about assignments or just use technology to incorporate into our pedagogy, you know, for our students. And so, you know, I think for all of the concerns around academic integrity and plagiarism, which, you know, I, you know, I, I, I believe are about very well founded. Um, you know, I, I'm also seeing glimmers of uh, you know teachers trying out JAT-GBT for themselves and um, you know using it uh, to kind of push their own thinking around assignments and homework uh, and having a discussion with students around you know what using this technology means in the process of learning
0: hmm I, I, I was thinking about, because we we are in conference season now, and we had FETC, so that's the Florida Big EdTech Conference, and TCEA, so the other uh, bigger conference in Texas um, in EdTech. And both of those had, like, standing room only about a session around chat GPT. And I believe it was uh, Matt and Holly that were running it, and maybe somebody else. But it was, I just saw pictures of educators their faces were lighting up and they were mm-hmm. curious and it made me like those are the things that excite me about education like educators are such lifelong learners and collaborators and i mm-hmm. saw that and chat gpt is so new and curious that i like if you all are listening to this and saying i still don't know what the heck it does we'll put some stuff in the show notes for you i'm going to put some resources i'm going to put um some really great sketch notes of like 50 different ways you can use chat gpt but mm-hmm. just Think about your own reaction when it comes to technology. Sometimes like I go, oh gosh, that's a little scary. That's my initial reaction. But just think about it and try to explore because more often than not, your students are gonna be exploring it. And from an ed tech perspective, it's here. Tony was saying it's been here for a really long time. It's just been in the background. So it's good for you to understand it because it's coming and may integrate slash affect your product roadmap in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of companies are definitely finding ways to leverage it into, you know, to to make some of their processes a little bit more efficient in the background. And we're also seeing a lot of new crop of startups, um, you know, trying to you know try to create and um, create fine-tune a version of ChatGPT that's a little bit more appropriate and useful um, for 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 the classroom as well. So, you know, I think. There's a lot of attention on cheating uh, and plagiarism, you know, on, on like AI writing and cheating. Um, but, you know, there's also like a lot of potential, too, for it to, as, you know, for, to assist teachers with some of the things uh, that they do, particularly around like lesson planning or creating like, uh, you know, assignments and and prompts. Um, you know, I think that I would encourage, you know, folks to you know, try, you know, f- f- try it out and, and, and ask it, you know, ask it prompts in ways that can help support your work and what you do. You know, maybe some of the stuff that you that you find a little bit tedious or if you're hitting like a writer's block. Uh, I think ChatGPT can be a good way to, I mean, you may be surprised that some of the ideas that it can like kind of spur and stimulate. Um, you know, caveat being that, you know, it's not always accurate and appropriate and, you know, you do need a baseline understanding of you know what's you know what's right or what's wrong or what's appropriate or what's not, um, you know to, to watch for these things. But I think overall, I mean, I think it's uh, ChatGPT is is uh, it's it's really fun. I don't know I use it in in in, in, in really fun ways.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen some fun ways on Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff. It's like mix a synopsis of this novel with a theme of Baywatch mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. And and it does it fairly well, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, when I first saw that kids were using it to just do their essays, you know, I I, I was very curious about it from the perspective of writing. Right. I mean, writing is... You know, I like to say writing is something that's near to, near and dear to me. It's I like to say it's my only marketable skill, perhaps. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I initially approached it with some concern. You know, can ChatGPT just write like me and you know take my job? You know, you know, just take my job as a writer, kind of thing. So, uh, I so you know, I, I, I did this little like test where I took all of my EdSearch articles that I wrote from my last job, like around like seven hundred of them. Uh, I fed it into uh, the the GPT, uh, you know, back end to like fine tune it, uh, and I wanted to see if I could create articles that, you know, that sounded like me. Like, like can can Chat can GPT write and search articles like I, you know, in, in my style and my voice? And I was very, you know, I was pleasantly surprised in terms of the tone and the voice that it could it could kind of mimic kind of like my certain styles or like my, my patterns, the things that you think are really unique to your style, but which machine could just learn instantly. Um, so that was pretty cool. And in a way it was kind of also, you know, it's kind of eerie, but also kind of, uh, kind of it makes you kind of reflect on like your style, mm-hmm. um, you know, your voice uh, as a writer as well. So I'm kind of intrigued by that as kind of like a, something that made me reflect on the kind of my writing and my style. and I like to think that this kind of writing feedback or reflection at least can be used in useful ways as we uh, you know it's kind of a useful instructional tool, you know as we hope uh, think about what the future of writing looks like. Um, I mean the caveat of me creating this a little bot is that it create you know all the facts are inaccurate, so I essentially created a fake bot news that. A bot that spits out fake news in my voice. So <laughs> that's de- <laughs> that's the downside of my experiment.
0: So I do think that they're like, you know, we've kind of gravitated towards chat GPT as it relates to writing because that's its most direct impact. And I think right now, a lot of English teachers are, not freaking out, but they're, they're concerned because, you know, it can sound like the kids and whatnot. And I think this is an opportunity for a lot of the ed- education organizations around writing to, to embrace this and really quickly step up and try to find ways to empower the educators. But do you find if there's like any like resources to help the struggling educators and go, oh, great, just survived a pandemic. Now I got chat GPD, you know, like, mm-hmm how would you recommend them they try to navigate this challenge
1: um i mean i what i've heard you know what i've heard you know people do is um you know any assignments or any prompts that you would assign to your you know to, to your students you know feed them into chat your first and see what it comes out with um and if the result is uh, or, 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 or things that what you think your students might be able to write, uh, you might want to kind of just think back and you know just just think a little bit about what it is about your assignment that you know that AI can't necessarily re- uh, replicate, or um, maybe think differently, you know, around um, you know what you want you know your your students to convey or to communicate, or how you want them to, to develop their style. Um, I mean, a lot of my Just for me personally, a lot of my issues with kind of writing or how I learned writing, I felt, you know, back in my school days, it felt a little bit like very straight jacketed into like the five-paragraph essay or the 12-page research paper. And I understand that there is use for these formats as kind of a starting point for organizing your ideas and and, and your thoughts. But um, I think that with ChatGPT, there will be, I hope that it opens up Possibilities for you to write, in explore new ways of writing, new styles, uh, different kinds of, uh, you know, different kinds k- kinds of formats beyond kind of the kind of the standard kind of formats of essays that we're taught, you know, that that we typically rely on in schools.
0: Yeah, and what I'm hearing from you is some of the things I've seen resonate is one is reflection, like. Gosh, do I really talk that way? Do I some do I overuse these words or is that cadence always that way? But can it break down some barriers that we kind of have unnecessarily put on ourselves at times, right? Mhm.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, there will always uh, there will still be a need for um you know, for 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 teachers and students to communicate kind of the fundamentals of writing like grammar, punctuation, sentence structures and things like that. But I think after, um, I, mean, I think I mean after those foundations are set, and I don't, you know, I don't know if ChatGPT can help you set those foundations. Um, I think it becomes really interesting because ChatGPT, its output, if you want to use it to assist your writing, you're really becoming more of an editor than a writer at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I think that you still need to have some fundamental understanding of writing, of like good. You need to know what good writing looks like in order to be a good editor. I think. Uh, and so um, I think as the world maybe shifts to more AI-assisted writing in the in the working world where you may be more of an editor, um, I think ha- still having that kind of baseline fundamentals of what good writing looks like is, uh, you know, it can really just turbocharge or improve the quality of the, of the AI-assisted output. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's a lot, you know, I think well, all, everything I'm seeing are things that I'm hoping, <laughs> you know, is is, is kind of comes from... Uh, the, optim- it comes from optimism around like how this can really shape um, not just the quality of writing but how people enjoy writing um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people from my experience also don't like writing uh, you know, for, you know for, mi- for a myriad of reasons um, and I'm hoping that there may be opportunities for this to kind of bring out the, more of a joy of writing too by allowing people to explore different, you know, different styles and different ways to convey the written word
0: I love that I love that. Well, let's talk. I mean, we started this conversation on AI in general, how it hasn't, it's not something brand new, but perhaps we weren't like banging on the door saying, hey, this is AI. you have, you know, Rich Capital has invested in some companies that have AI in them, and you also cover a lot of ed tech when you're looking at it and getting to invest in companies. What are the types, you talked about grading in AI, mm-hmm. you want to yeah. just talk a little bit about AI's role you've seen in other places, too, and maybe its effect that people don't understand, and I think there's a huge opportunity for ChatGPT, but there's a huge opportunity for AI in general in education.
1: Yeah, yeah. So beyond just like grading, um, and so we had a company called Gradescope that, was, that did image recognition for grading. It was acquired by uh, Turnitin. Uh, but we have a few others as well. There's one called Mathpix, which is image recognition for handwriting in math and science. So you know when you do like uh, uh, like kind of like a word problem or kind of a more complicated math for science problems um, that require like students to show their work through writing, um, that's another kind of tool in 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 the grading world. Mm -hmm. Uh, One that's one that's really interesting uh, is using uh, audio, uh, you know, audio recognition uh, for analyzing classroom conversations and dialogues. So we have a company called TeachFX. FX that uses AI um, to capture and also analyze the discourse that's happening in the classroom. So it measures things like how much are, how much are teachers talking? how much are students talking? Um, what kinds of questions uh, you know what kinds of questions is the, t- is the teacher asking? Is the teacher talking the much you know 80% of the time uh, and the students are not getting a chance to participate? Uh, and so these are, I think, insights that really tie back to, um, you know, a lot of the pedagogical practices that I think teachers learn in school, mm-hmm. in terms of how you engage with different students, uh, and I think it gives like really powerful insights to see. Um, you know, how you are leading discussions or uh, how you're le- uh, encouraging students to participate. It's all based around the premise that when students talk, they can learn more by you know talking and sharing their ideas in, in, in a classroom. So I think that's another really interesting use case uh, of, of voice of, of AI in the, in, 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 in the realm of classroom conversations.
0: Yeah, and as you were talking, I was thinking, gosh, you know, it, it also just like chat GPT allows for reflection.
1: You yeah, know, that, it's a really powerful reflection tool as well.
0: Yeah, regardless of it, what it's doing. And it allows you potentially, if you're doing it right, like with grading, maybe you have more free time to reflect and do more critical thinking, things, the strategy of changing up things. So when people are afraid of AI taking over jobs, I remember the same thing happened when we introduced like robotics and things. It's like, no, it's not taking over jobs. It's it's potentially taking over the menial tasks so you can mm-hmm. be better at your job and yeah. do the things that give you joy, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Well, OK, I think we can talk about AI and ChatGBT forever and ever. Um, Tony, if you have some great resources, send them to us. We'll put them in the show notes. Everyone listening will be throwing up the show notes link at the end of the episode. Um, but no, we'd like to give you as much resources as possible, especially as you're trying to navigate this, this new and emerging world. But let's talk about EdTech. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of EdTech in 2023. You wrote a really great article kind of trying to make sense of the investment um, in 2022 to 2023. Um, Jennifer over at Reach Capital also talked about how she's navigating um, her investment thesis for Reach Capital. What are the types of technology that as, as as a VC that you are looking to invest in and empower do you i mean i don't know where to start in this world of ed tech but you want to just give a brief like where are we at now funding not funding um where do you think it's going to go this year
1: um i mean i think the i think the appetite in terms of uh you know from both entrepreneurs who are building tools and also from investors who are looking to support you know the good ones is i think it remains as as robust as ever Um, I think, look, in the, in the broader, in the broader kind of markets, right? I think the headlines around how ed tech investments have dropped from 2021, look, I think the reality is that the ed tech industry is not shielded from some of the things happening in the broader macro, macroeconomic environment where, you know, the, you know for, for the markets, the emphasis is now more on sustainability and profitability, profitability more so than growth. So, um, 2021 was, you know, it proved to be a little bit of an aberration uh, in the the sense that I think in in the thick of the lockdowns, there was a sense that, you know, a lot of the digital economy or the digital activities that uh, we kind of, you know, uh, resorted to would continue to grow and accelerate. And I think that that proved to, you know, not necessarily be the case. I think people um, maybe want to spend more time outside now with people and, you know, stay off screens. (laughs) But... I think taking the longer view, though, I mean, I think capital for EdTech investing is at a is still at a healthy clip. I mean, if you treat 2021, as a little bit of an anomaly, but uh, 2022 was still, uh, in terms of investments, like more than double than what we've seen in the years leading up to the pandemic. Uh, and so I think especially at the early, uh, you know, the early seed stages for the younger, smaller companies where we typically focus, um, we continue to see a lot of interesting companies and ideas and, um, I don't know if we've completely turned the corner on COVID, but a lot of the challenges that have emerged in its wake have also opened up uh, a need and, and opportunities for new ideas and innovations around things like, uh, you know, academic support. You know, a lot of kids have fallen, off just fallen behind, uh, and also around mental health, uh, around career supports, around childcare and early uh, and, and, and early childhood education. And so we continue to see, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, interesting ideas across the board that are trying to address, you know, many of these challenges that have, you know, that that have emerged as we're and hopefully, you know, coming back from the pandemic for, for good for now.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it's down investment, but like, I think what helped me reframe it a little bit is that it's up comparatively prior to pre-pandemic in terms of funding. And and just because funding is down because of all of the stuff going on in the economy and the China stuff, um, doesn't necessarily mean lack of innovation or um, availability of ed tech and things like that. I'm wondering, for the EdTech folks listening, what do you think that they should be like, what's what's their takeaways? Like, what should they be concerned about, if, if any, it, about this year that might affect them?
1: Um, I mean, concerns. I mean, if you're expecting to raise money at 2021 kind of valuations and numbers, um, I guess that would be, con- I mean, that would be concerning. I just, I don't think the current market environment is there to support um, you know raising big rounds at very you know at the 2021 valuations uh so i mean I, I guess that would be concerning um and i it is um you know it is challenging for companies that did raise in 2021 at those valuations and expectations and now have to you know grow and live up to them so i think that um there are you know there are challenges you know for some of these you know mid and growing stage companies but you know i think you know for you know for a lot of entrepreneurs especially once folks who are starting out i mean there is a lot of need and and an interest in capital you know for uh, you know for ideas that um, that at least you know in our books you know we we really emphasize on things that are research backed that really solve a problem and focus on the user experience and understand the realities of the environment in which your your tool and or service will be will be implemented and used, um, and so you know I think you know part of my concern and maybe going back to the chat gpt AI thing is that m- one of my concerns would be that some s- kind of like similar to what we saw with some of the adaptive learning craze of the last decade, that there will be a temptation to think that these AI tools will be tools that are you know, apps like these magical apps where you just plop a kid or a learner in front of them and it will be a very individualized, like self-driving, you know, learning experience. And, you know, we've seen that's not the case. Um, You know, the best tech, the best AI, whatever, you know, the best innovations um, in education generally help to improve uh, human connections or enrich human connections or enable human connections. And I think that's a very important part uh, of, the, of the learning experience, the teaching experience that, um, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical of that AI or any technology will ever fully replicate. No, it doesn't have to be an e- in human or in-person experience, but, you know, I think thinking about the, you know, the interactions and uh, the role of the teacher, the role of a facilitator, the role of a guide, um, I think those, those, those elements, that human component uh, the, the human in the loop, if you will, it's a that's a very AI term. It still has to be there.
0: I love that because sometimes when we think about tech, we think about not enriching connections. And you said, you know, we have to really look at. And there's so many great examples in ed tech about tech really enabling deeper human connections as well. And potentially with AI, getting rid of the stuff, the menial tasks, so you have more time to do that. And I love that perspective. I actually haven't. I've seen it in action, but I haven't seen people talk about it as a theme. So that's mm. awesome. Yeah. Um, so speaking of ed tech, um, we talked a little bit about what ed tech is like right now in this year and funding and raising. And I, I'm just wondering, like you talked, you mentor and talk with a lot of ed tech. You've reported on it for decades now. If I am an ed tech person, I'm like a CMO. I'm, I'm, an, I'm a, leading an entrepreneur in an ed tech firm, do you want to just talk to them and give them some advice? Like, you know, if maybe there's some things that they do that you're like, please stop doing this, or please do this. If anything else, focus your efforts in 2023 on this. Or if you're getting into featureitis on your product, like, how do you scale back? Like, I'm giving you the open mic, for whatever you're passionate about to talk to edtech. but I know you have some great nuggets of wisdom.
1: I think one of the things we are hearing now is that in in the wake of the pandemic, where a lot of schools tried out a lot of tools, that um, there's a sense of like fatigue <laughs> with a lot of the stuff that people were were pitched or were or that schools were using. Um, I think that there is going to be a trend towards um, paring down the vast sea of tools and apps that. Um, that, that 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 people you know that were tried, uh, you know, during twenty twenty one, and I think one of the challenges was that you know many of these tools were um, point solutions that nest don't didn't necessarily talk to each other, uh, didn't necessarily um, you know give the right you know work well with some of the other tools that were you know within within the school toolkit. So. Um, I think all, all of this is to say is to it's just to be really mindful of like where does your your you know where does your proposed offering sit within the suite you know within the toolbox that a lot of schools have that frankly are they're very full right now. <laughs> uh, does it help uh, you know? You know is this another thing that you're putting on their plate versus are you actually helping to take something you know off the plate? So I think having a really good idea of where it sits uh, and um, being mindful of kind of the user, you know, the user experience from both the, the you know, the, the student teacher and also the admin side who is responsible for connecting all these dots. Um, that's something that I would, uh, I would urge um, because, yeah, I mean, tech, tech fatigue is something that's, it's, it's real and it's, it's also, it can be yeah, frankly, can also be very, very discouraging.
0: Yeah. And the tech stack is huge. It's, it's almost bloated, like you said right now from 2021. So I love how you said, think about where your tech lands in that. And I don't care if it's free freemium, all the things that you, you try to differentiate that it doesn't like, it's not part of the stack. It is, it's part of every this ecosystem that educators and districts have. So it is is it, is the solution somewhat integration or making your product less simple and bigger? I know we're getting in the weeds here, but I'm just curious on, like, if I do have a, one product that's simple, requires less PD, it creates wins for educators, maybe student engagement. Is that enough? Because I'm competing against a big tech stack, right? Mm-hmm.
1: I think there is uh, also a lot of um, more of a spotlight on efficacy and usage as well. Um, so I think you know how easy or how, e- how how well it integrates with the other the other tools is just like a big uh, it, it will be a growing property I think for a lot of the a uh, lot of the vendors selling in, into schools a um, lot of attention I think we're seeing a swing towards a focus on usage now you know is your tool actually being used like and how does that you know shape how much we're paying for it the ROI. You know, from the school administrator side, I mean, very often, you know, as with some of the hardware stuff, we're finding that a lot of software that you know that, that schools may have we were, were not being used, and so um, I think there is a there is um, look this is a challenge for the industry, but I think you know I think for for us it is uh, it is a good challenging. The bar has been raised in terms of efficacy and implementation and usage to, you know, make sure that, you know, the dollars that schools are being spent, you know, very often public federal dollars are being spent on things that are being used to their intended effect and and with fidelity. Um, And I mean, this is not a new thing, you know, unique to 2023. I feel like this has been kind of an ongoing conversation kind of since at least the days when I started or when I, you know, try to put my map game in, 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 into schools. Um, but now I think there is, uh, I, I'm pleased to see a growing trend uh, towards uh, efficacy and implementation.
0: Great. Well, Tony, I know we could talk forever about ed tech and, and all of the new things like AI and chat GPT, but I'd like to close down our podcast with one of the questions we ask all of our guests. And it's about inspiration. It's about how do you personally refuel? Because, you know, all industries are tough, but educators, everyone in education that I've met, I personally, I put my heart and soul I, I get so inspired by education, but my heart gets broken sometimes too. And I just feel drained. And I'm wondering, what do you do to kind of refuel when you have those challenging times? Are you? Is it a physical? Is it an intellectual? Is it emotional? Like, what are the activities or things you do to help refuel on those challenging times?
1: I've been trying to get back into running as a way to to clear my mind um but I think with uh, running is also a time intensive activity and with a uh, with a 18 month old it's always sometimes hard to kind of find find hours of a day to get out there um but that's something I like to do just to clear my mind and get out the fresh air a little bit I've oh I've actually uh I don't know if you can see this i, I put there's a drums I, I brought my drum set up back electronic drum set up mm-hmm, back nice. in my high school days um trying to get back into music and drumming some of my childhood hobbies mm. <laughs> um so you know i've i've been told i'm a pretty even-keeled person you know kind of person but sometimes i just need to like ah. <laughs> <Bang it> out. <laughs> <laughs> you know bang you know bang it out um <laughs> I don't know. I've just been trying to find ways to kind of get back and or tap back into the, the, the arts uh, a little bit, the art, you know, artistic side. Um, I just watched a documentary about Robin Williams. Um, I find comedy very inspiring I, to me. I mean, I don't know if philosophers really exist anymore, but I think comedians, to me, are the closest things into a philosopher in my book. Um, you know, there's just there's just this magic that happens at the intersection of... Smart, stupid, and funny—that is really that I find really joyful.
0: Yeah, well said. Well, thank you, Tony, so much for your time. For people that will want to follow along and learn alongside you, how best can they do that?
1: Uh, I have—you uh, can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's just my name, Tony Wan. Uh, I think you can drop that in the show notes. Um, sometimes I don't tweet about edtech, uh, so I don't know. Your that's your warning. <laughs> There's a website called uh, our website Reach Capital. That's where you can find the things that we publish, um, um, you know, insights into this industry or uh, learn more about how we're looking at different areas uh, as investment opportunities in the tech space. Um, we'll also be some uh, at, at some events. Maybe I'll see you at one of these, Alana. Um, for me, coming up, there's South by Southwest Edu in Austin in March, and also ASU GSV in San Diego in April. So. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, those two places.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Tony, for everyone saying, gosh, you know, they keep mentioning these show notes. Where's the URL? So you can access them at leoniconsultinggroup.com. So that's 2G's consultinggroup.com backslash the number 44. So backslash Forty-four, And we'll be putting in all of the AI chat GPT resources, um, links to where you can contact Tony and anything relevant that they think might help you along this journey and just understanding where EdTech is, but also what are the new things and maybe how can I approach things with a state of curiosity and wonder versus that like body just okay I'm, I'm not sure this is scary type of reaction right so like with all of these podcasts I hope you make a challenge to yourself to look at one thing and say wow you know Tony really changed my perspective on where EdTech is or how I can use chat GPT in my classroom so Think about that, reflect, rewind. We also have the transcript attached to the show notes as well. So thank you all for joining. We will see you all next time at All Things Marketing and Education. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and wanna dive deeper, you can visit com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends. So please connect with us on Twitter at Leonie Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.